This is Leaders Lens, the show that reveals what it really takes to become a great leader. I'm Jacob Espinoza, a Fortune 500 leadership consultant and director of career success at Workweek. Let's go. Resumes indicate past successes. What they don't predict is future achievements. If you are looking at a resume and you don't have the right value set for your organization and you pick somebody, they might not actually be successful in your environment. And that's the thing that you always have to come back to, like what are the core tenets in my environment that tell me if someone will be successful or not? So Heba Youssef, we are here today to talk about hiring. Hiring's broken. There are some changes that need to happen in hiring. And when I think of people to talk about those changes, I think of Heba Youssef. It's me. So what's going on right now in hiring? What are, what are we seeing that lets us know that there's, there's a change that's needed? If you talk to any recruiter, they will tell you that there's always been a change that's been needed, but necessarily they just don't know how that change could happen in an effective manner. It's been interesting to see all the layoffs happening. Sad, and I'm deeply empathetic for the people who lost their jobs during this situation. And I think as all the layoffs are happening and then companies are still posting new rules and hiring is still happening, we're hearing more than ever from candidates that they are like dissatisfied with everyone's hiring process. I think like every day I'm on LinkedIn, I hear or see another comment about somebody complaining about like a recruiting process or a company or a recruiter that didn't get back to them in a timely manner or recruiters ghosting them. And it's, I think, a bit more indicative of like a bigger problem in hiring. There are a lot of people who are on the market and there are a lot of open jobs. Our unemployment is the lowest it's been since pre-pandemic. But people are still struggling to get hired. And it is interesting that we see these jobs reports and people are still having a hard time finding a right fit. People are also having a hard time finding candidates that work for them. So we're, we're seeing things on, on both ends that let us know there's a problem. There's communication gaps and issues that are, are happening. I really want to focus on talking about the mindset shifts that people can make. If you're a founder, you're a business manager, you're looking at growing your team, you want to bring on incredible people. The first step is, is, changing how you're looking at the problem. So what are some shifts that people can start having in there and how they're, they're looking at hiring that will lead to some of the, the positive impacts they're looking for? I think just admitting that maybe we're all kind of bad at hiring might be very interesting. When you hire for your team, an inexperienced manager will probably hire a team that is similar to them because you're in hiring processes, you're like reaching out to people, you're connecting, you're probably connecting with people who are very similar to you which is why like hiring has a ton of bias in it as well. And there are a lot of companies and a lot of interview processes that are working on eliminating the bias, but we still have it like so deeply in us, right? And so when you're an inexperienced manager, you're probably gonna hire a team similar to you. The more advanced managers are really thinking, what skills do I need to complement me? And I would say like, I think the average manager falls somewhere in between like inexperience and experience. And so we're probably not making good hiring decisions sometimes because we don't actually know what we want to hire. Mm, we don't know what we want to hire. That is such a great call out. We think we know, but what we look for is not always going to hit the mark. So what, what are some questions? Like, What are some things we should be thinking about to help us decide if what we're looking for is actually what we need in our organization? Yeah, if I had a dollar for every hiring manager that didn't actually know what the heck they wanted. 
It's like, I need somebody. I need a body. I feel like sometimes that's the approach people take. Yeah. Well, it's also sometimes I think people shoot for the stars. They're like, I want this one candidate and they have to have all these experiences. And I'm just going to be honest, outside of technical skills, you can probably pretty much teach anybody anything. But so often people are like, I want this one person who does these 15 things. And so I just talked to my team about it today where I was like, in every interview process we run through, there needs to be like a need to have and a nice to have. Needs are like the very basic requirements of the job that someone has to know how to do them. And nice to haves are just these like add-ons. But I think a lot of hiring managers just all skew to that I need to have these skills. And then it ends up disqualifying a lot of potential great candidates that just don't have this list of very specific skills you want. And when you think about growing your organization and you're scaling beyond yourself, I mean, getting the right people on your bus is going to help more than, than almost anything. And it's something that I love that you're talking about is that you want your candidate to feel special. You want them to feel like you're a good fit and you can specifically talk to why they're a good fit. And if you haven't defined what a good fit is, it's going to be really challenging to do that. The approach of like anybody will do, that doesn't make anybody feel special. Nobody is going to be hustling to try to get that position. But when you can be very, very specific on this is what we're looking for, people know that this is a good fit for me. I fit this, this criteria. It's interesting because like the word fit, I have such an adverse reaction to it because like a few years ago, everybody was like, culture fit is not good. It needs to be culture ad. And so like even, yeah, just have like a reaction to it. But like, I know what you're saying about like fit as in like, they need to meet the requirements for the job. But a lot of times people unconsciously use those requirements to filter out candidates that they don't want. And it has a negative impact on the diversity of their pipeline. And I love that you, you called out that differentiate in the uh, the language because you're right you don't want somebody that's gonna fit into the box you're created you want something that's gonna help expand that box which is gonna help your organization see things from a different perspective connect with a, a, more, a more diverse customer base as well yeah you talked about biases earlier which is a uh, it's almost a buzzword at the at this point where some people feel like they understand what it means or they've seen it enough times that they whenever they see it they just keep scrolling or, you know, hit next on the training or whatever it might be. But when we think about bias, what are some questions we should be asking ourselves to help us check our, our own bias? Because we all have them. I, th I think is just one-on-one understanding of biases. We all have the, we all have it. How, how do we do a better job of checking and understanding where they're coming from? When you meet somebody who is unlike you, I was just reading a study on this, you are going to have to work harder to form a connection and a relationship with them because they are different than you. And so I think if you're constantly asking yourself, like, why do I like this person? And if it's rooted in things like shared interests or shared upbringings, maybe start to ask yourself, like, is this my bias rather than judgment on their actual skills and abilities? And it's so easy in hiring. Like, it's already a stressful thing to hire because most managers wait until they need the person and then they hire. So they're already stressed. So when you meet someone like you, it's almost easier to just say like, yeah, I want to hire that person than spend time getting to know candidates that might be different than you. We did a manager training on this at Workweek. My advice was like, always question why you really like someone. And if your answers are, I like like shared perspective based or shared experience based and they're not actually rooted in the capabilities of the candidate then you need to re-examine something there. 
yeah, the there's a slippery slope of hiring somebody because you see yourself in them, or like you feel like that's that's just who I was five years yeah. ago. Yeah. And those decisions don't generally end up the way that we want them to, because we expect that person to go through the exact same learning curve that we did, and and be this kind of person that we thought we were. But we, you know, we all lack self awareness. So there's some gaps in ourselves that we probably, probably yeah. weren't, we're not, you know, super aware of. But in reality, like, what are the data points? So if we take emotions out of it, like, what are the data points that are, are helping us decide whether or not this person is going to be a good add on to the culture that we're creating? And having a consistent hiring process, like, I can't say this enough, like a consistent hiring process where you ask the same questions of each candidate ensures that it is an equitable hiring process that you are not making decisions because you happen to learn that somebody liked mint ice cream just as much as you love mint ice cream. And I think also that prevents you from making a decision based on the mood that you're in. Oh my because God. If you're hungry and stressed, like you're probably not going to like anybody you talk to that day. Like everybody's going to be the worst candidate ever. But if you show up in a good mood then all of a sudden everybody's the best candidate ever and having that like consistent process of what you do when you're, you're meeting somebody for the first time and deciding whether or not you're going to give them an opportunity in your organization, those emotions are, are going to be a dangerous, <laughs> dangerous tool. I try to not make business decisions or hiring decisions if I'm in a bad mood because I just won't make a good one or in a good mood I would even say like if I'm just like feeling myself that day like that's probably just as dangerous to make a decision <laughs> in that yeah, sort of totally do that oh man that's so true that's so true Jacob uh, like, try to be neutral look at the data how about the filters like what are, what are good filter processes where you can make sure that it's not just you and yeah. the mood you're in that day to make this decision yeah. but to make sure there is a more fair and equitable process what are some filters people can use to be successful there like if a company has values, your values should be the filter for figuring out if somebody will add to your organization in the way that you want them to. And so a lot of companies will be like, yeah, we have values. And I'll be like, what, where are they? If they're just words on a page, why do you even have them? They should be ingrained in your interview process. They should be ingrained in your onboarding. They should be ingrained in if you have performance management. And so starting there as like a filter, because Resumes indicate past successes. Like I have been successful in this previous environment. What they don't predict is future achievements. And so if you are looking at a resume and you don't have the right value set for your organization and you pick somebody, they might not actually be successful in your environment. And that's the thing that you always have to come back to. Like what are the core tenets in my environment that tell me if someone will be successful or not? I love that you talk about values because I feel like every company has the values on their website. Oh my God. But then they also have the values that the employees actually live and know. And they're usually very different. But I think it's such a simple step to bring those values to life and make sure there's consistency when we think about, okay, how are these represented in our interview process and our onboarding process once we hire, hire an employee? And not just a list of here are our company values, but how are we actually displaying these these values and how we're going through this entire process and looking at looking at it from the uh, potential candidate's experience. And the candidate could figure out if they want to work there or not. If someone had a value that wasn't aligned with my personal values, I would not go work there at this stage of my life because I know what makes me happy and successful in my environment. And if a company does not value those things, there's always going to be a misalignment and I'm going to end up leaving. 100%. 
And it's good to know that early, right? You want, you want that person to be able to make that decision before they decide to join your team, as opposed to six months down the road where we've invested all this money in onboarding them and supporting them and finding mentors for them to work with. And now they decide it's not a good fit because of something that could have been addressed before the first day. An observation I've had is like a lot of companies have values, but they don't actually actually behave that way. Then then they'll be like, well, we have a company culture. We have all these values. And I'm like, okay, how do your employees behave if you don't tell them how to behave? And if they can't answer that question, I'm like, then you don't have a strong culture. Your values can guide the behavior, should not dictate it. And your culture is how your employees are showing up as themselves. A question you should ask yourself building off that is how do you know? Like, yeah, we live this value of transparency. Okay, how do you know? We live this value of... Gratitude. Gratitude. Okay, how do you know? How do you know this is happening? How do you know it's felt at all levels of the organization? And it's not only brought up when you're on stage in front of a group of investors or at a conference somewhere, but like day to day. Like, how does how do you know every level of your organization is seeing this? You just like observe the employee behavior too, right? Like, you're the, my favorite is when a company is like, we don't, we have a no jerks policy. And you get there and you're like, well, everyone thinks that one person is a jerk. So how do you have a no jerks policy? Like that doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Or if a company says they're transparent, but then you ask a question and they're like, oh, we can't tell you why. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean you can't tell me why? I thought you were transparent. How does that work? I yeah. you transparent. Where's the value? I'm like transparent. Where does that happen? Or like, uh, I think the cool thing about work week, and I feel really lucky to work at work week is like gratitude. And we always are celebrating our employees and the great work we're all doing. And it just, it's in our values. It's like rooted in our values, but it also is like rooted in who we all are as people. So it's, it's I feel lucky. That's beautiful. No, it's an incredible opportunity to be at Work Week and part of this team. And I'm excited about this Leaders Lens podcast and be able to have incredible guests like Heba Youssef, just getting Bye. it, we're just getting started. Thanks, Ernest. With the, uh, the incredible I Hate It Here newsletter that has been taking the world of HR by storm. <laughs> it is such an incredible newsletter. It's so thoughtful every single week. And you're, you're providing entertainment, but also extremely tactical advice that people can, that helps people in their in their job get better. You know, every single week, there's there's no doubt about it, which is so much fun. We were talking about interviews today. What's, what are some common mistakes that you see um, young managers, new founders making in the interview process that you feel are easily to, easy to avoid? Sometimes I think they over-index for the wrong things, like what they wish their organization would be than what their actual organization needs. That, I think, happens quite a bit where managers are like, I wish I had this one person to do this, but they don't actually understand that's not what the team needs. That's like a very vague example, but I see that happen a lot. And then I see a lot of times people like hire generalists at the beginning of a startup and generalists are great because they can do a lot of different things. But there's this inflection point in your startup's time where generalists have to become specialists. And it's a very scary time because you will either lose those generalists or you'll force them to specialize in something they might not be passionate about. And so I do love like you do want to hire some like early generalists at the beginning, but just know that there's like an interesting inflection point where like you won't be able to do that anymore. And that shift is sometimes hard for new managers to understand. And especially I think when you move from a generalist to a specialist, you're usually moving from a place where you have a ton of autonomy, you can kind of make your day how you want it. But now you have some specific requirements and some some expectations 
that aren't probably coming from you. They're probably coming from a, a leader. And there's not always alignment on like whether or not you feel like this is what is the best use of your time. Yeah. And so having a lot of empathy that somebody's going through that transition helps out a ton, but it also can help you make hiring decisions and just being more aligned on how the type of person you need to hire is changing and evolving as your company is growing. Startups in the early days are like exciting because you can probably wear a lot of hats, but there always comes like a disappointing time when those hats become like one hat and then employees are like, what am I doing here? It's like a crisis that happens to like every startup employee at some point. Yeah. I'm going to feel it. That's part of it. It's coming. It's coming. It's like we were building an airplane at one point, but now we're building a submarine. So we got yes. to shift a little get bit. Get on board. Get on board. Just get on board. We're moving. The train's moving. What else? What's another common mistake that you see in the hiring process that's easy to, to avoid once we're aware that this is a problem we're, we're having or a mistake we're making? Not fully understanding the candidate's motivations. So sometimes this can come from something as simple as compensation or like the candidate wants to be a manager, but this is an individual contributor role. That's a real thing that happens. If you have like a real path for them to be a manager, it usually works out. Sometimes you don't have a path, but you want the person so badly that you still try to get them. And then just like the back to what I said about like the misalignment with the candidate is like the candidate thinks they're going to be doing this one job, but the hiring team hasn't been really clear about what that one job is. And then the candidate gets all the way through the pipeline to an offer and then is like, I actually don't think this is for me. Mm. And that happens a lot. Or the hiring manager gets all the way to the end and is like, actually, I think I want this other thing instead. And you're like, if you wanted this other thing instead, why didn't you just say that from the beginning? Yeah, why did I go through this whole process to get here? Why did you just waste like five to eight hours of time? Like time is money, people. We can't be wasting it. A mistake I made earlier in my career is falling in love with a candidate <laughs> where I would just be like, this is the perfect person for this job. Ignore all these red flags that were being thrown out of my face because I was just convinced yeah. that this was the person that was going <laughs> to, was what we needed. And, uh, you know, you learn that lesson the hard way. Yeah. Is that like, you know, it's just like with writing where they say, don't fall in love with something. If it's bad, like just admit that it's bad and move on to the next thing. But same thing with, with hiring somebody like, Look for the strengths, but be very aware of the the red flags and like, you know, you learn I the hard I truly thought sometimes. you were really falling in love with them though. And I was like, that's an HR violation. <laughs> Not that kind of love. No, like the love as far as like a good fit. It's like we're but going appreciate down. the clarification. I was like, we're going down the other way. Jacob. Don't, don't date your candidates. Pro tips. Don't, don't date the candidate. Don't date your, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for that's a a, this is a different podcast. What topic. kind of interview is this? Yeah, what are we doing right now? Don't date your director. Part. That's too funny. Well, don't date your director. Yeah, don't, yeah. Don't date your director. I yeah, I've done that too. Or seeing so much of yourself in them that then you take a risk on them, which again is rooted in bias because you are biased towards them because they are like you. Yes. And that's yes. that's a mistake I also have made. I'm like, I, they're just like me. They're going to do all the things I like, you know, and then they, they start and you're like, oh no. <laughs> what did I, what have I done? I should not what have, have hired. I done. Pro tip, yes. never hire someone who's just like you. Early in my career, I did that. Now I look for people who complement my skill set, And that has been like an unlock for me when I think of hiring. If I meet someone just like me, who just wants to be a dreamer all day long, 
I'm like, I can't hire you because we have work we actually have to get done and I need to go find my <laughs> person who's going to execute. You know this, Jacob? Yes. Like, I just want to yes. dream the clouds about everything. And if I don't have a team around me that's going to go actually execute the work, I'm never going to get anything done. Yeah, we're, we're very similar in that. For me, I'm very big picture. Yeah, same. Um, I'm going to wait to the last minute to get something done. It's just how I'm wired. I need the opposite. Like I need somebody that's detail-oriented, that's going to be consistent with, with the checkpoints, that's going to help things be manageable or I'm not overwhelmed in the last minute. And of course, we learn things about ourselves to help us with these gaps and get better as we mature and grow or, and develop our own skill set. But part of that is just learning. Like I need these people in my life that are going to add these other things to the team because everybody's talking about big picture. If everybody's waiting to the last minute, this place is going to fall apart. But you also need those things as well. It was a really hard moment for me to come to that realization, I think. Like, I consider myself really self-aware, but the moment when I really realized I need to go hire a team that is actually good at executing tasks, and I became more vocal about, like, who I am in a candidate process, where I would openly tell people if I was interviewing, like, I'm really your strategic thinker, big picture dreamer. If you are looking for someone to come and execute your tasks day in and day out, it's not necessarily me. Yes, and that was like an unlock, honestly. And it takes a lot of confidence and it takes an ability to be willing to you know, be denied for a position. But also when you take that approach, you're more likely to find that job that's actually going to be a great fit where you can come in and thrive and make an impact yeah. and sometimes make the changes that this company needs make look really easy because it, their needs are so aligned with your, what your skill set is. Yeah. It was tough, though. It's always scary to be like, hey, I don't want to come and just execute work. But I said it. I'm not here to work. It almost it almost sounds like you're saying I'm not going to work hard, but I know that's not what you're saying at no. all because you're one of the hardest working people that I've ever met. Thank you. Two jobs. Um, it's you're yeah. It's at least two jobs. Different. Yeah, I mean, like the world needs its dreamers, though, and then the world needs the people that go and actually bring something into fruition behind the scenes. And the best teams I have worked on have been ones where, like. I can go dream about how we're going to change the world and then bring all my ideas to them and they can tell me, yeah, that's feasible. No, that's not. That's just like building a good team too, a great team dynamic, honestly. I love it. And that's what hiring is all about. Like, how are you going to bring culture ads, not culture fits there to the team? And I think a lot of the things that we're talking about today are not like groundbreaking. Nobody's listening to this and saying, I've never heard of that before. But the challenge is to think about, okay, but how well am I actually executing on this? Right. Like, I know I'm familiar with this topic of checking my biases, but how often am I doing that? You know, how effectively am I doing that? And I think that's really the, the challenge for people listening to this podcast, whether it's live on LinkedIn or on the Leaders Lens podcast, which I'm excited is launching, is to take that perspective whenever you're, you're consuming content. It's so interesting too. The other piece of it is like, I really feel for recruiters. One, I feel for them in this market because they're one of the first jobs that get cut. When budgets get cut, hiring doesn't happen. So recruiters lose their job, which is like really hard already. But I especially feel for them because recruiting is a battle a lot of the times. You are battling like inexperienced hiring managers, inexperienced people around hiring, people who don't understand unconscious bias and how it manifests, people who don't appreciate diversity but would never say it. And so in all of this, like you want to make your hiring effective, turn to your recruiters and empower them to push back. Mm. It is like a privilege to work with an amazing recruiter and hiring managers that recognize that, it's a huge unlock for them. 
So when you say empower them to push back, can you can you elaborate on that, on that a little bit? I think it's an important piece I want people to, to understand. Yeah, sometimes hiring managers are on power trips where they think like they're the ultimate decision maker and kind of they are, but like your recruiter is your guide through the process and your guide through the process should be able to stop you and say, hey, I think your ask of finding a candidate with these 12 things is a bit outrageous. Or I've noticed the only people you want to interview for this role are white presenting men. Or the third piece is like, I've noticed you've declined every candidate that doesn't exactly fit this like dream criteria you have, similar to the first thing I said. So it's giving the recruiters the ability to work as like collaborative strategic partners with the hiring managers and knowing that they also have to face like a lot of conflict and they're usually advocating for the candidates, but then also have to advocate for the hiring manager too. So they wear many hats in the process. And if you don't empower your recruiters to speak up, you probably won't have a good hiring process and you will end up hiring a lot of the same type of people. I love it. So I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, Heba. Yeah. But if we had to summarize the key takeaways from our conversation today on the Leaders Lens podcast, what would you say? What are the, what are the key takeaways that the audience should be leaving with? Always look for opportunities in your hiring process. Make sure that your hiring process is equitable, meaning it's documented, there are questions assigned, and that people are asking the same questions to every candidate. And then finally, consider training your hiring managers because very early hiring managers are mostly going to hire in their likeness, and they're not going to necessarily think about what their team really needs. They're going to think about what they want in the moment. I love it. If you are not already subscribed to the I Hate It Here newsletter, you're missing out. We will leave the link in the show notes for you. If you're watching on LinkedIn Live, we'll put it in the comments so you can check it out. But also check out Leaders Lens, the newsletter focused on helping simplify your leadership development. It's a big deal. I'm having a ton of fun writing twice a week. It is the highlight of every every single week is writing these newsletters. It's been incredible connecting with the audience. And Heba, we appreciate you being here on our, our first take of this live podcast recording. This is so much fun. Thanks for being here. And I'm going I'm to talk to everybody soon. If you have questions, feel free to leave them in the comments. Reach out to Heba or myself. We will always help how we can. Thank you, Jacob, for having me. And Leader's Lens is a great read. Please subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the show. Don't miss another episode of Leader's Lens and the inside scoop on becoming a great leader. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love Leader's Lens, please tell a friend.